You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. And uh, Brother Baldwin, we sure love you, and we're thankful for you being willing to come and uh, be such a blessing to us. And uh, I mentioned it last night. I, if you were not here last night, I just want to make sure you understand that uh, we have we told Brother Baldwin after the service we're going to let him cut out. Uh, he's trying to avoid uh, as much as he can a lot of close contact with folks because of having COVID, and uh, he is still uh, in the recovery. It's been, a, I guess, it's been over a year, but uh, some of the the long haul effects of that. But uh, if you were here last night. Uh, you know that God has his hand on Brother Baldwin. And uh, I just, I sat down here last night. My wife was in the nursery, but I sat with my girls. And I just, uh, I thank the Lord for Brother Baldwin coming. Last night, if he was not preaching to anybody else, but if he was just preaching to me, then it was worth it. And uh, God used him in a great way last night. And we're so thankful you're here. Let's give him another Victory Baptist welcome as he comes tonight on this Tuesday night. Brother, we love you. Pastor. God bless thank you. you. Well, it's good to be back, amen. And I went back to Haggerty's. The pastor said, well, what do you want to do tomorrow? I said, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, somebody from the church was here last night, and they thought that I bragged on that dessert so much, they'd go today too. I don't know if they're in the building tonight. Are they, are they in there? You were in there? Did you get that lasagna? You didn't get, oh, you got sweet potato. I did too. <laughs> and the lasagna. Yeah, and, and, and I even met Miss Haggerty. She came out, I, I thought she was gonna give me a cut, you know, for, a, for free advertisement, but uh, just had a wonderful time and thank you so much. I wanna thank the church publicly for the accommodations a comfortable place to stay. I rested well last night and got a lot done today. And there's snacks, way more snacks than I can do anything with in that room. But thank you so much for whoever cleans it and sets it up. I do not want to take any of that for granted. Thank you for allowing me just a wonderful place to stay. And then I want to thank the pastor and the staff men. We had a wonderful time of fellowship tonight. And and I I just recommended all of them. They get that lasagna. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, so I just really had a wonderful time, and, and the food was great, but better than the food, the fellowship. And I just want to thank the Lord for that, and I want to thank uh, you, Mrs. Coburnett, for sharing your husband and allowing me to have the time to fellowship with him, you and your, your family. And I was thinking about your pastor, and I just want to say a word about him. And I was walking today. I try to walk a couple times a day. The doctor says it's good. Walking and drinking water is really good for these lungs. And so... I was just reflecting on the pastor. And there's a lot I could say about pastors and a lot I could say about your pastor. But the word that just overwhelmingly came to mind to me about him is kind. He is so kind. I just, his, his requests are kind. His announcements are kind. I mean, his, his texts are kind. He's just, everything he does is kind. And I just appreciate it. It's, it's been a refreshing part to me these last couple of days, and not just this year, but every time I've been with him, he's been kind. Paul said in Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I believe I could say that about your pastor, that I thank God on every remembrance of him. You know, it ought not be that it's such a rarity to talk about kind Christians, but sadly it is. Some of the meanest people I know are saved folk. <laughs> Thank God we're going to be glorified before we go to heaven because, I mean, heaven would be a scary place with some Christians, you know, if God didn't fix us first. I think the world would be better served by some more kind pastors, some kind preachers, and uh, you've got one here. And I hope you appreciate the man of God that God has given you. He's been kind to me, and I know he's not putting on. I know he's kind to you, too. And so thank you for being so kind to me the last couple of days and I mentioned that to my family, just about your spirit and your kindness, and it stood out to me, and I really appreciate that. I also mentioned to the pastor last night that I felt just total liberty in preaching last night. You know, you go some places, 
and you're just kind of feeling your way out and breaking the ice and even after you leave, you feel like you didn't break it, you know? <laughs> and I just felt like I was in the presence of people that wanted to hear preaching last night. Amen. And your spirit and your response, whether audible or facial or just what I could sense and the Holy Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit in you said that you wanted to hear from God. And that's a help to the preacher. And I really appreciate that. And that's a blessing to me. Thank you for coming back. What a great crowd last night. A great crowd tonight on a Tuesday night. Working folks who've sacrificed today. Many of you and going to school and coming back tonight. What a blessing. So thank you for being here. And then my friend over here waving this. this you right there? Yeah, I told the pastor, yeah, you're easy to preach to. All right, you got, you got a lot of spunk in you, all right? And I, I like that. I had to find out, you moved, so I had to find out where you were. So when I need some encouragement, I'm going right there, all right? So I appreciate you. You're a blessing. And thanks to all of you for being here tonight. We're looking forward to what God does. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalm 86, Psalm 86. Now, Pastor, I heard you mention the Haskets. Now, the Haskets, they're in here somewhere. Where? 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 There's, yeah, there's Pastor Haskett. And what a blessing. Oh, there you are, Mrs. Haskett. Now, P Mrs. Haskett's over there. Pastor Haskett's the pastor. Mrs. Haskett is the co-pastor there. At, uh, that's a joke, okay? But, uh, but I want to say something about these dear folks. They are special people and dear friends to me and have been for a number of years. And when I was lying in the hospital, Pastor Haskett was in touch with my daddy every single day, checking on me and making sure I was fine. He wanted an update. And I remember my dad saying, you know who's really stood out to me is Brother Ray Haskett. And he and I communicate every week, every Sunday morning. And he is such a blessing to me. He and his dear wife, we've had the opportunity to be at their church so many times. We have dear friends in their church. We've had the opportunity to be in their home. And we had the opportunity to eat at Old Charlie's a whole lot. Amen. <laughs> and Old Charlie, we know what you say, well, it's Old Charlie's, Old Rolls. Amen. Those rolls at Old Charlie's. But we've had a wonderful time fellowship. I make friends with people in these churches. You know, at, at Brother Haskett's church, there's a lady named Miss Hayes. Mrs. Hayes is up in her 90s and she makes this strawberry pie and she loves me. Amen. <laughs> And so I, I, I stay on good terms with Pastor Haskett because I need to be on good terms with Miss Hayes. Amen. <laughs> and uh, so many people there in, in Calvary Baptist Church and Colonial Heights that have been a blessing to me. Thank you for driving over. It's not exactly just a couple minutes away. And they've made the sacrifice to be here tonight. And I really, really appreciate you. And thank you for being such a dear friend. Are you in Psalm 86? Would you stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's word? Psalm 86. I love this psalm, and I hope it's a blessing to you tonight. It is really ministered to me. Psalm 86, verse number 10 says, For thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good. That they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, has hopened me and comforted me. Let the church say amen. amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word. As your vessel tonight, would you cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Use the Bible tonight. Nothing will help us like your holy word. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight. We're not here by chance. We're here by divine choosing. You've ordained this time. And you have a work to be done in the service tonight. And I want you to use me, God, to do exactly what you want done. Bind the forces of the devil. Keep him from interfering tonight. And may the Holy Spirit have free course to do exactly what he wants to do. And up the road, would you watch over my wife and family? I pray for safety as I travel back tonight. And I pray, God, that you would keep them well. 
until I'm back with them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I love the Psalms. I don't know about you. They encourage me. Anybody that's battling with depression or discouragement, I challenge them to read the Psalms. Years ago, I began a Bible regimen that I felt the Lord had for me to help me in my walk with the Lord. So every day I read three Old Testament chapters, three New Testament chapters, one proverb and five Psalms. That's what I do every morning. I love the Proverbs because I need wisdom. You know, every proverb, every verse in Proverbs is like a spiritual fortune cookie. Amen. (laughs) Exactly what you need. I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. I love the life of Christ. I love the passages in the New Testament that are written to the local church, but I love the Old Testament. I love history because it's his story. Amen. And I thank God. By the way, all the Bible is good. Amen. From cover to cover, it's still the bestseller, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. How can you take 40 men over 1600 period time and produce a manuscript that's inspired, infallible, and inerrant? Amen. There's nothing like the Bible. You can't get two men to agree on anything, much less 40, huh? How in the world can you get John the Revelator to agree with Moses in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? I'll tell you how. John and Moses were being talked to by the same author, Almighty God. And I'm thankful for the Bible. It's a pure word, a perfect word, a precious word a preeminent word, a probing word, a piercing word, a potent word, a powerful word, a perfecting word, a profitable word, because it's God's holy word. You see, what you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. So I'm thankful for the precious word of God. I was reading through the Psalms and this day, Psalm 86 was there in my reading. It jumped out at me and I believe it forever changed my life. It's a psalm of David. I think about David and many instincts come to mind. (laughs) That shepherd boy, you remember him? I think about that shepherd boy that came up on Goliath, mocking the armies of the living God. Nobody seemed to have a problem with it, at least not enough to do anything about it. But David heard him. I mean, he wasn't up there to hear him. He was up there to be obedient. But you know, when you obey God, you hear some stuff that you need to hear. And when you're doing what you need to do, you're willing to do what God wants you to do. Amen. Do y'all hear him? I think that's what he's saying. Can, 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 can y'all hear what I'm hearing? Does it bother you like it bothers me? Is there not a cause? Let me fight him. Oh, his brother says, go back and watch over your little sheep. Saul says, you are but a youth. And David looks at King Saul, who stood head and shoulders above all the rest himself, but wasn't going to do anything about it. And he tells him a story about what God did for him when he was watching the sheep. A lion came after my sheep and I took care of him because I don't like anybody messing with my sheep. A bear came after my sheep. I went at the bear and took care of him because I don't like anybody messing with my sheep. And I hear him thinking in his mind, if you can't mess with my sheep and get away with it, surely you can't mess with my God. So he's asking for permission. And of course, we know that same David took a rock, took five of them, put that stone in that slingshot and slung it and hit that giant in the middle of the head. And he fell down and climbed up on the giant, took his own sword and chopped his head off. Can you see David holding that head up in the air? (laughs) It's amazing. The Philistines didn't run when Goliath fell, but they ran when his head was detached from him. I think he's dead now. All right. Sometimes as Christians, we need to follow through. Amen. It's not just good enough to knock things down. We need to chop the head off. Amen. I think about David, the giant killer. I think about what the maidens said when they came back from war. Saul had slain his thousands, but David had slain his tens of thousands. You want to know how to get a guy jealous? Let the girl say some better stuff about another guy. All right. And that's exactly what Saul thought. They're bragging on him more than they're bragging on me. I think about David, anointed to be the next king over Israel. I think about Saul with an evil spirit in him and looking for somebody to play an instrument that could soothe his evil spirit. Listen to the recommendation of David. He's prudent, he's cunning, he's valiant, he's a good looking young man. But here's the top recommendation to get David in the palace to get the devil out of Saul. Watch this now, the Lord is with him. 
The Lord is with him. Hey, listen to me. There are a lot of good things people could say about you. You look nice. You dress nice. You have a nice car. You cook good food. You're a nice looking person. Those are great things. But don't you want people to say the Lord is with him. The Lord is with her. That's what I think about when I think about David. I think about David, the giant killer. I think about David, the one who was the warrior. I think about David, the one that they said the Lord is with him. I think about David, the psalmist. I think about the book of Acts that says David was a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you. There's a lot of good things to be said about somebody. I thank God for men in the Bible like David that were giant killers and psalmists and men after God's own heart and warriors and those that were great kings. Aren't you glad that God had good men in the Bible that we can look after and learn how to follow? Oh, David, what a man. So when he writes, I listen to him. Because he was not only a man that had great things said about him, but he was a man that made mistakes. But he didn't wallow in his failure. Psalm 51. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. How in the world could the New Testament call him a man after God's own heart? After he had failed with Bathsheba. After he had lusted. You say, what happened with David and Bathsheba? Where he looked, and he got hooked, and he booked, and he took, and he became a crook. All in the same day. But God called him a man after God's own heart, not because of his sin, but because he got up and repented of his sin. Amen. And you can get up after you fail God. So I listened to David because he was a man after God's own heart, but he was also a man that knew how after his failure to repent and get back right with God. So here I was reading Psalm 86 on that morning and God knew exactly what I needed. Say amen if you know God knows what you need. And so he knew what I needed in Psalm 86. And I came to this Psalm and I pictured David, the king, David, the father, David, the husband. David, the warrior, David, the psalmist, David, the fighter, David, the counselor, David, the boss, David, the giant killer. And I thought about all of these titles of David. And as I read this psalm, I sensed a conflicted David. I don't know about you. Sometimes life is like the game of golf. You get good at one thing and instantly you're bad at another. When you're driving good, you can't chip good. When you chip good, you can't putt good. When you putt good, you can't drive good. You see, it's almost like you fix one area and the other area messes up. You do good in one area and you can't do good in the other area. And you know what you say to yourself? If I could ever be good at all of it on the same day, I'd be a good golfer. I hear David the psalmist in Psalm 86, and it's almost like he's saying, I, I want to be a good father, and I, I want to be a good king, and I, I want to be a good leader, and I, I want to be a good fighter, and I, I want to be a good boss, and I, I want to be a good husband. I, I've got all of these responsibilities and all these hats that I have to wear, and then I, I sense David conflicted. I, I sense as if he, he wants to be where he needs to be, but he doesn't know exactly how to do it without God's help. I want you to know the verse that stood out to me on that morning when I was reading through those five Psalms for the day. It was the phrase in verse number 11. Hear David, if you would, and think about the man that we're referring to tonight. As he said in verse number 11 in the last part, unite my heart to fear thy name. Now, how many of you know when the Bible says heart, it's not talking about the organ that the cardiologist looks at. See, when the Bible talks about heart, it's talking about your mind, your emotions, and your will, your moral center, your intellectual center, the the headquarters where you make choices every single day. That's what the Bible's talking about, your heart. You see, at the heart of the matter, it's always a matter of the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See, as goes your heart, so goes your life. Come on now. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Watch this now. Who can know it? Now, I know what you're saying. If everything I do in life is based on my heart, and according to Jeremiah, my heart is deceitful and I don't know it, then what do I do? You join the psalmist in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my my heart. 
try me and know my thoughts. You see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I can't judge me. I can't understand me. I can't rate me. I can't figure me out, but I know a God who can. So I want you to picture David saying, I've got to be this and I've got to be this and I've got to be this and I've got so many burdens. I've got so many responsibilities. And I feel like David was praying in Psalm 86, God, I feel like I'm all over the place. Now watch this now. I feel like my mind is one place. My emotions are another place and my will's another place. I think I have a few witnesses in the house tonight. Have you ever come to church with your body, but your mind was somewhere else? Have you ever felt like your mind was at the job, but your emotions were somewhere else? Have you ever felt like your eyes were reading your Bible, but your mind was somewhere else? It's hard to live for God when your mind's one place, your emotions are another place, and your will your will is somewhere else. And yet that's where we are so many times in life because we have to work on our money and we have to work on our health and we have to work on our family and work on our marriage and work on our kids and work on our ministry and read our Bible and find time to pray and, and battle what's going on and stay safe during this virus and win the world to, world to Christ with the gospel. And we feel like, God, I just, don't, I just don't know where I am. I feel like I'm here and I'm there and I'm everywhere. Raise your hand if sometimes you feel like you're all over the place. Well, guess what? You were where the psalmist was in Psalm 86. But I want you to hear the prayer that jumped off the page at me that morning when I knew that God knew exactly where I was. I said, God, I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a good counselor. Three times a week at 5811 Hoffman's Lane, Bailey's Crossroads, Virginia, I have to stand behind a sacred desk or sit on a stool and meet the people of God at Crossroads Baptist Church that God has given to me. Listen to me. When you come to church, you don't come looking for a sermon out of a briefcase. You come looking for a word from the Lord. Listen to me. You're not looking for some poem or some, some stress ball to squeeze or, or some motivational speaking. You've got a work to do. You've got a job to do. You've got a world to live in. You've got a devil to fight. You've got a flesh to submerge every single day. You don't need some preacher up there to just tickle your ears. You need somebody under the spout where the glory comes out who gets a word from the Lord. That's pressure on the man of God that people lives and their decisions and their spiritual health is contingent upon what I give them. And I thought, God, I need to be dialed in. I need to be focused, but sometimes I can't get all of me together. I want to come to church with all of me. I want to be a husband with all of me. I want to be a father with all of me. I want to be a pastor with all of me. God, I can't figure it out. But David said, I know somebody who can. Listen to him in Psalm 86. You unite my heart to fear my name, fear thy name. And here's what David was saying. God, you go get my mind and bring it here. You go get my emotions and bring them here. You go get my will and bring them here. And God, get me all together. And once you got all of me together in one place, make that one heart dialed in on one thing, fearing thy name. Ladies and gentlemen, where we stand with Almighty God, fearing God, reverencing God, respecting God, being in awe of God. When all of us is dialed in to all of God, there's no telling what God can do with us. Listen, in these last days, you know what we need? We don't need Christian superstars. We don't need social media heroes. We, need, we don't need somebody else to sign a Bible or somebody else's face to plaster on some, 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 some invitation to some meeting. We don't need big time preachers and big time churches. Young people, God's not looking for the next, the next hip hop star in Christianity to wow the world. You know what he's looking for? Men, women, boys and girls that will allow him to take their heart and unite their mind, their emotions and their will and say, dial it up on one thing, get up every Every day, fear God's name, love God for who he is, worship God for who he is. The world is trying to drown out God and bring, doubt, bring God down to our level. You can't take a holy God and put him on our level. He is who he is. And I want my heart to be united to fear God's name. So I'm praying to God tonight. And I hope you'll pray with me that God will take our mind, our emotions, and our will, lasso them in together and unite them for one purpose, to fear his name. Now think of his desperate plea tonight if you're taking notes. His Desperate plea. Look at verse number one. Bow down thine ear. God, I need a, an attentive connection with you. Bow down thine ear. Ladies and gentlemen, in these last days, we don't just need to pray. We need to pray to a God that's listening. 
Attentive connection, connection. Notice his adverse condition. Why do I need you to bow down your ear to me and hear me, God? For I am poor and needy. Every once in a while, we need to quit acting like we have it all together. Come on now, I'm destitute, I'm lacking. Let me tell you something, come to church and admit you're destitute and you're lacking something. And you can't get it from Walmart, come on now. You can't get it from eBay, come on now. You can't find it out from Dr. Phil and you sure can't get it from Oprah, come on now. You, you, you can't find it at the grocery store. They don't sell it at Target and they don't even deliver it with Amazon even if you got Prime. And I tell people all the time, I know that what we need from God, Amazon doesn't have, because if they had it, we'd have it at my house because they come there every single day. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, Amazon's got everything, but it doesn't have what God has. He says, I'm poor and needy. My attentive connection with you is because of my adverse condition. He said, God, I need your able conservation. Verse number two, preserve my soul. Let me tell you something. There's only one person that can preserve you. It's Almighty God. You can't preserve yourself. Work out all you want to. Eat all the good foods and, and protect yourself and get your security system. That won't preserve your soul. You need somebody who's in control to preserve your soul. He says, God, I want you to have some acknowledged consecration about me. Preserve my soul. Why? Here's what he said. I want to give you some motivation to preserve me, God, for I am holy. You know what holy means? Set apart, marked off distinct, different. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't you want to be able to get down on your knees and ask God to take care of you because you're living for him? He says, I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm holy. He said, God, you're holy, but I'm holy. In other words, God, when I get down on my knees and pray to you, I want you to hear me because I've done my best to live for you. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody in the building's perfect, but we ought to be striving to be holy. The world needs to see holy Christians that are set apart, that are different, not like the world, distinguished from the world, not Pharisees, not looking down on people, not thinking we're better than anybody, but shame on us if a big God that nobody can describe came to live in a little heart like us and he don't stick out somewhere let me tell you something God's looking for some holy Christians the attentive connection the adverse condition your able consecration my acknowledged consecration notice God I need your applied compassion notice he says be merciful unto me I don't know about you thank God for grace that's God giving me good stuff I don't deserve but thank God for mercy that's God not giving me the bad stuff I do deserve I'm thanking God for his mercy. Jeremiah was discouraged. He was downtrodden. He was in despair. He was borderline depressed. He was in distress. My friend, he found himself in a situation like he never expected to be in. He felt like there was a bitter taste in his mouth and he couldn't seem to shake it. But he said in Lamentations chapter three, this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of thy mercies that we are not consumed. Because thy compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know about you. Sometimes you look at the bank account in the morning and you hope something's in there. Amen. You hope something didn't hit at midnight that you didn't plan for. And sometimes it's not what you wanted to see. But I'm glad every time I get to 1159 and use up all my mercies. When the clock strikes 12 midnight, I get a brand new deposit. Amen. Brand new mercies. And I know I use all mine up every single day. So I need brand new David said, oh God, be merciful unto me with your applied compassion. Notice his abundant cry. He says, I cry unto thee daily. Notice the Lord's prayers, we call it. Really, it wasn't the Lord's prayer because if it was the Lord's, he never had to say, forgive us of our trespasses. Amen. But it's the model prayer. Notice he said, give us this day our daily bread, not our weekly bread, not our biweekly bread, not our monthly bread, because if he gave it to us for a month, we wouldn't come back the next day. Aren't you glad he gives us our daily bread? Give me enough for today so I'll come see you tomorrow. He says, I cry unto thee daily. You want God to unite your heart? You better get used to calling to God every single day. Notice the activated cheer of Almighty God. He says, rejoice the soul of thy servant. You know, the world tries to give us everything that will make us happy and none of it works out. But aren't you glad that God knows how to cheer up your soul? Amen. Have you ever just walked like I do outside and look at the glories of God and see the heavens declare the glory of God? God God rejoice my soul when this world beats me up and this flesh won't act right and the devil keeps getting on my nerves. God, you give me something that puts a smile on my face that the devil can't wipe off. Activated cheer and then his aimed call. Notice he said, rejoice the soul.
soul of thy servant. Why? For unto thee do I lift up my soul. He said, when I cry, I'm not crying to the preacher. I'm not crying to my spouse. I'm not crying to my boss. When I cry, I'm crying to the Lord. Here's what I'm saying tonight. If your mind's one place, your emotions are another place, and your wills are somewhere else, you got to get desperate with God. Until we get desperate with God, why in the world should he unite our hearts? Let's get back to not just tolerating God or acting like it's okay if we get God, and let's get to the point where we've got to have God. Notice number two, his directed praise. Not only the desperate plea, but the directed praise. Look at verse number five. <laughs> For thou, Lord, art good. I'd like to pause there and say amen. amen. Come on now, I said God is good. Amen. Oh, he's got a convicted expression about God. God's supreme favor. God is good. Hey, let me tell you something. There's none that doeth good. There's none that is righteous. No, not one. But I'd like to say I'm glad tonight that God is good. Amen. He's not only good, he's good all the time. He's good over time. He doesn't have to try to be good. He doesn't have to think about being good. He doesn't have to cross his finger to pull off to being good. Let me tell you something. He is good. He's morally excellent. He's consistently benevolent. He never does anything wrong. And sometimes the reason why our minds are not in the right place, our emotions are not in the right place, our will is not in the right place, because we don't take the time on purpose to praise him. The next time you feel like you're getting pulled all over the place and you can't concentrate, stop in the middle of what you're doing and look up at God and say, God, I just want to tell you, you're good. And then look at somebody else and say, yeah, I just want to tell you, God's good. And then look at the devil and say, if you want to get on my nerves, I want to tell you something else. God's good. You know, I, I think about that, 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 that person who just the devil kept getting, getting on her nerves. It was, it was a lady that kept going to the store and every time she went to the store, she kept buying dresses. And she was spending up so much money and her husband was getting frustrated and they didn't have enough money to keep paying for all these dresses she was buying. And, and so, you know, he called the preacher up, said, preacher, you've got to help me. My wife keeps buying all these dresses and there's, there's not enough money for us to afford it. We're going into debt and she just can't seem to get, get rid of this. He said, well, well what's going on? He, he said, well, every time she goes to the store, she tries a dress on and when she tries it on, she hears this voice telling her, and she can't resist that voice. The preacher said, I know exactly what that is. That's the devil. That's the devil. So here's what you do. The next time she goes to the store, she tries on that dress. You just tell her to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. And the man said, oh, thank goodness. Finally, we got an answer for my wife's shopping problem. So he went back and told his wife, honey, you can keep going shopping. You don't have to quit. Here's what you do when you hear that voice. Just say, get thee behind me. She felt better. She said, oh, good. I love to go. I just don't have to buy it anymore. So she went back to the store, and sure enough, she saw a beautiful dress that she loved. She took it to the dressing room. She tried it on. No fear this time, because the preacher told her what she needed to do. And so she tries that dress on, and it looks so nice, and it looks so beautiful. And she's looking in the mirror, and she loves that dress. And sure enough, here came that voice. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. She remembered what her husband told her the preacher said. So she said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And she heard a voice say, it looks nice from back here, too. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't need the devil behind you. You just need him totally away from you, you know, because he'll always spin it his way, you know. And I'm telling you, listen, 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 listen. David said, I need to be reminded that the devil's bad, but God is good. His supreme favor. Notice his steady forgiveness. I don't want you good, but you're ready to forgive. Aren't you glad he's ready to forgive? Come on now. I said, aren't you glad he's ready to forgive? Amen. If he's not, we're in trouble because we're sure ready to mess up. Amen. He said, thou art ready to forgive. Listen, I'm talking about praising him tonight. This is stuff we know, but when we get discouraged, it's not stuff we're thinking about. We got to remind ourselves of the supreme favor of God. He's good. We got to remind ourselves of the steady forgiveness of God. He's ready to forgive and the splendid forbearance of God. He is plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. Listen to me. We need plenty of mercy. And aren't you glad God has it? David said, I've got a convicted expression. I've got a committed expectation. Verse number six, give ear unto my prayers. Here's what I expect of you about my constant prayers. I've got a confident persuasion about my constant prayers. Look at verse number six. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayers. Attend to the voice of my supplication. But look at verse number seven. In the day of my trouble, I will call for thou wilt answer me. Have you ever dialed somebody that you knew, knew you were calling that wouldn't answer? 
Sometimes you have the privilege of calling someone that you can see while you're calling and you see them look down. You know they notice the phone. Then you know they have your number. That tells you you are being ignored. Who in the building likes to be ignored? And yet we get ignored all the time. How many of you would like to say thank God for caller ID so you know who to ignore, all right? <laughs> Let's just be honest tonight, but let's pause tonight and praise God that he never ignores us. I said that he never ignores us. He said, God, I'm going to pray, but here's the good news. You're going to answer. The songwriter said, Jesus is on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want. God, I've got a convicted expression. I've got a committed expectation. But here, God, about you, I've got a confessed exclusiveness about you. Now watch this now in verse number eight. Among the gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Watch this now. When your mind's all over the place, your emotions all over the place, your will's all over the place, you need to remind yourself you've got a God and ain't nobody like him. I said, you've got a God and ain't nobody like him. Listen to me. If we're not careful, we'll act like we serve one of the gods. No, 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 no. We serve the God with singular worthiness. Among the gods, there is none like you. With superior works, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Yes, we've got a God who has a singular worthiness and superior works. You know what that means? Muhammad's not like him. Buddha's not like him. Mary's not like him. The Pope's not like him. The priest is not like him. Amen. The cow that used to be your grandma, she's not like him either. All right, listen to me. God isn't like anybody else. We need to remind ourselves of that. We need to praise him. His confessed exclusiveness. Notice David's candid exclamation. All the nations that thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. Listen to me. There are places that won't acknowledge God. There are people that won't bow down to God. There are certain individuals that won't say that God is real. But there's coming a day when every knee is going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. Listen to me. You've got to remind yourself when you feel like you're in the minority, there's coming a day when you're going to be in the majority. Everybody's going to bow down to God. And then the clear explanation. Notice verse number 10. Why the going to bow down. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Your incredible greatness, your isolated Godhead. Listen to me. Aren't you glad that God is great and he does great things? Listen to me. He's not God because he does great things. He does great things because he's God. Wow. My desperate please. God, I need you. My Directed praises. God, I know who you are. Notice thirdly, my diligent pursuit. Verse 11. What am I striving for, God? Teach me thy way. I've got a genuine desire, God. And here's my genuine desire for supernatural information. Thy way. Ladies and gentlemen, God's way is supernatural. You can't learn God's way at college. You can't learn God's way from Google. You can't learn God's way from a self. See, you learn God's way from God. Here's what David says. Teach me. Teach me, that. Teach me how to be a godly husband. Teach me how to be a godly father. Teach me how to be a godly. Teach me how to be a godly teenager. Hey, listen to me. The world will teach you how to be cool. The world will teach you how to be popular. The world will teach you how to make friends. But only God would teach you how to live for him. I'm asking you, is that on your list? I want a new phone. I want a new job. I want a new car. I want a new raise. How about God? I want to know your way. Teach me thy way. He says, I've got a genuine desire for supernatural information. But here's what he couples supernatural information with. Servant's intention. Now watch this now. Here's the supernatural information. Thy way. But here's my servant's intention. Notice what he said in verse number 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Now watch this. I will walk in thy truth. Here's what he says. I ain't going to ask you to teach me if I ain't going to do what you say. Now we're guilty. God, if you just give me more information and God must be saying, what are you doing with what you already have? Years ago, there was someone who said, would you disciple me? Sure. Person got saved and get baptized. Well, I'm not ready to get baptized, but, but talk to me about revelation and talk to me about the gifts of the spirit and talk to me about that. Why should God talk to you about all those other things when you won't follow the water and believers baptism? Don't ask God for more information when you won't obey the information you already have. Right. 
Teach me thy way. When you read your Bible, when I read my Bible every morning, I pray Psalm 119. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Listen to me. This is not a practice of mechanics that we do to punch the clock. We don't read the Bible to check off the box. We don't read the Bible so we can get up and tell everybody we read it. We read the Bible because there's stuff in here we need to learn. There's stuff in here we need to listen to me. This book will teach you how to stay away from sin. This book will teach you who to marry. This book will teach you how to handle your money. This book will teach you how to wait on the Lord. This book will teach you how to deal with a loss in your family. This book will teach you how to make the right kind of friends. This book will teach you how to get control of your temper. This book will teach you how to obey your parents. This book will teach you how to be faithful in church. This book will teach you how to use your gifts. This book will teach you how to live in a sin-sick world. There are all kinds of self-help books out there, but we need to start getting desperate for God to teach us his way, and God needs to know when he teaches it, we're going to obey it. Notice his genuine desire. Notice his guaranteed decision. Verse 12, I will praise thee. Does God know you will praise him? I will praise thee. I will glorify thy name. You know what? The, the, the circumstances of the world have affected Christians so much, many have stopped praising him. Well, as soon as he does something for me, I'll praise him. No, no, no. You thank him for what he does. You praise him for who he is. Amen. You get up, you get up every morning and decide, I'm going to praise the Lord. Hey, that'll run the devil away. He don't like praise services. You just get out the bed as soon as your feet touch the floor and start praising God. You know what the devil say? I need to find somewhere else to go. You want to get on the devil's nerves. You start praising God. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like, that's why he left heaven in the first place. He wanted the praise and God wasn't going to share it. He wasn't sharing it then and he's not sharing it now. You make up your mind. God, I may lose my money. I may lose my job. I may lose my health. I may lose a loved one, but I'm not going to lose my praise. Guaranteed decision. Notice his glad devotion. He says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Verse number 12, he says, I will glorify thy name. Listen to me. I'm going to glorify thy name. Listen, with a glad heart, with a glad heart, I'm going to glorify thy name. And listen to me. You ought to be excited you're a Christian. I said, you ought to be excited you're a Christian. The rest of the world doesn't know how good we have it. They don't know how much they're missing out. Don't walk around with a sad face. Oh, me, oh, my. We got to go to church. Got to read our Bible. Can't do this. We'll understand it better by and by. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And it will be. But I'm trying to tell you, boom, shaka, laka, laka, laka. It's worth it all right now. Get glad about being a Christian. Amen. The guaranteed decision, the glad devotion, and the grateful declaration. I love this verse right here. Why? He said, for thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Won't you just pause right now, right now and thank God you're not going to hell. I said, thank God you're not going to hell. Hell's not a fairy tale. Hell's not somewhere with a red, someone with a red suit on with a pitchfork that you just wake up from. Years ago, somebody told me, I don't believe in hell. I said, everybody there does. I'm glad I'm not going. If all God did when he saved me was deliver me from hell, I'd, it'd be worth it. But he did more than that. But that doesn't mean we ought not thank him. Let's thank God we're not going to hell. I'm not going to spend one second in hell. What a blessing. That's what he said my diligent pursuit is. God, that's why I pursue you because you've done for me what no one else could. My desperate plea, my directed praise, my diligent pursuit. Now watch my distressed predicament. Verse 14, oh God. Everybody say, oh God. This is where we get something. I'm under attack. See, see, if you march on this path of trying your best to live for God, prepare to be under attack. Listen to David talk about the attack. The proud are risen against me. I've got rising adversaries. The assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul. I've got a raging assembly. He says, they have not set thee before them. They're involved in rebellious antagonism. Can you feel spiritual warfare like I feel? The more you try to do for God, the more the enemies of God are trying to do to you. Get up every day, mom and daddy, and decide you're going to raise your children right and see how much the devil hates you for it. 
Get married and live your Bible, live your marriage according to the Bible and not according to the world and see how much the devil attacked. Listen to me. Sit down, watch a football game. Sit down and watch a sitcom. Sit down and watch Chip and Joanna and nobody bothers you. Get on your knees and pray and every distraction in the world starts happening. You know why? The devil wants to fight you doing anything for God. This is David. He said, no wonder I'm so scattered. I've got rising adversaries, raging assemblies, and a, rebel a rebellious antagonism. And notice what he said. He said, they're, they're, they're against me. They're trying to seek after my soul. But watch this now. Have not set thee before them. Here's what he's saying. They don't like me because they don't like you, God. And I don't know about you. That's kind of comforting. Because when people don't like you, it's discouraging. But when you figure out that if you live for God and they don't love God, they're going to not like you. You don't have to take it personally. See, sometimes you have to get, don't get mad because they're mad at you. Listen to me. They're mad at God. Right. We look at the world sometimes. We think, why do they do that? It's the same thing we'd be doing if we didn't know God. Right. But he said, I got a righteous assurance, though. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. Gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous. As bad as they are, I keep on going because I know you're still good. And my rightful appeal, notice he said, turn unto me. Oh, I need supernatural relief. Can you imagine having the right to ask God to turn to you? Turn unto me, have mercy on me. Give strength unto thy servant. Here's the supernatural relief, but I've got a special relationship. Watch this now. God, I can ask you to turn to me because I'm your servant. Hear me now, beloved. It pays to serve God. Amen. I've never seen so many Christians talk about, oh my goodness, everything we have to do to be a Christian. You have to do. How about if you're a Christian and you're serving God, you get to ask God to turn to you and he actually listens Special relationship. I'm your consecrated servant. I'm your connected son. Notice he said, give strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. And here's what he's simply saying in so many words. It gives us the picture that God, I'm not only your servant, but thine handmaid. My mother was thy servant too. Well, aren't you glad when you can have a godly heritage? Not only do I get to serve you, but I can watch my parents serve you and I can serve young people. There's nothing like watching your parents serve God and then serving God yourself. Wow. It's almost like God's got double reason to listen to you. Distress predicament. Let me close with this last thought. A distinct petition. On this morning when I was reading that song, I needed God to move. And I got to verse number 17. It was like David was praying the prayer I needed to pray. I have written in my Bible, COVID-19 experience. As I sat in the hospital in isolation from everyone, I prayed this prayer and thought of this verse. Show me a token for good. I remember my daddy all night praying this, laid on his face all night. God, the oxygen was going down. They said, we're going to take you to ICU, put you on the ventilator. And I remember, God, God just showed me a token. for Listen, listen, sometimes you need God so bad, you're not even asking him to fix the whole situation. Just give me a token. And, and, and forgive me. Sometimes the best way I can depict what I'm trying to say is to use food. Because I love it so much. When I think about a token for good, I just think about going to the mall and going to the food court and walking past one of them places with that bourbon chicken on a toothpick. <laughs> Have you been there, my brother? Do you ever try to go back again? Put your coat on, flip your hat backwards. Maybe, you know, just mess up your hair, do something. And I'd put your glasses on. I thank you giving me some new ideas. Thank you. Take them off, put them on, put your, just do something. And you put that piece of chicken on that toothpick in your mouth. Oh, can you taste it? And I want to tell you what happens in my mind. Mm, that's good. And you know what it says to me? It says to me, oh, 
if this little piece of chicken is this good on this toothpick, back there in that kitchen, there's plenty more where that came from. You know what I was praying? God, just give me just a little piece of chicken on a tooth. Just give me a little good taste of who you are. Because when God gives you a token, you know what you say? Mm, that's good. And if that token is that good, then up in heaven, there's plenty more where that came from. And God turned that oxygen around and God turned that situation around. And next thing you know, I could roll out of that hospital in a wheelchair. Listen, listen, uh, Ruth calls it a handful of purpose. Here was this foreign girl whose husband had died and she was from Moab where they were enemies of God's people. And she entered Bethlehem with a mother-in-law that wasn't really even her mother-in-law anymore. And her mother-in-law, the closest connection to God, her name was uh, Naomi and she was bitter because she lost her husband and both of her sons and yet, he, uh, yet Ruth is following her because she sees something in her God that she never found in Moab and here she gets in a foreign land with never any hope of any life. Who could she marry as a Moabitish woman? Who in the world could redeem her property that had been lost by her dead husband? And how in the world would she have a life when she left her homeland and entered into Bethlehem? But lo and behold there was a man by the name of Boaz. Somebody name, somebody say Boaz. Some pregnant woman needs to name their child. You having a boy? You ain't, she, I, she's like, no, and if I was, it wasn't going to be no Boaz. But anyway, I, I don't blame you, but somebody needs to name a child Boaz. I don't think I've met one, but I tell you, I'm feeling it right now. You know, Boaz, he was a man with a bunch of money. Come on now. He was a man with fields. And Boaz saw that girl gleaning in that field that day. And she was just gleaning. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't just sit around and do nothing. She was just gleaning, looking for something special. And notice what Boaz says. When you pick up all of it, he said, leave some handfuls of purpose for her. Here's what he's saying. If you put some out there on purpose for her, you know what she's going to do? She's going to come back and glean tomorrow. Here's what David says. God, I'm just discouraged. I'm desperate. I'm downtrodden. I'm in despair. I'm going through trials. I got people around me that are mocking me and laughing at me and the devil's beating me up and the flesh won't do right and the world's getting crazy and the news is depressing and I don't know who to believe but God if you just drop me a glorious piece of heavenly chicken on a toothpick then tomorrow morning I'll know there's plenty more where that came from and I'm telling you God's got enough tokens to go around. Wow. It's sincere request. Notice the specific realization. Show me a token for good. Look, look at the next part of the verse. That they which hate me may see it. Huh? Who? All those people I talked about in verse 14. Remember when we're under attack for living for God? And, and, and you know what happens? You're asking for God to help you, but the people around you got a fork in their hand and a knife in their hand, and they're ready to eat you. You feel like that sometimes? Live for God, young people. And see how many people turn against you sometimes. Amen. Sure. And they're ready to chomp on you. Here, here's what David said. Show me a token for good. And let them see it. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I hear this same author saying this in Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. See, if you're not careful, you'll come to church all the time. Oh, pray for me. Everybody's beating me up and they don't like me on the job. And, and my family members think I'm crazy because I'm being a Christian. And they think I go to church so much I'm caught up in a cult. And people talk bad about me on social media. And I don't have no friends. They just want to eat me up and destroy me. And I just feel like I'm under attack. And I just want to crawl under a rock and just quit because everybody's against. No, 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 no. Don't crawl under a rock. Let them surround you and look bad about you and think bad about you and try to destroy you. You keep living for God. And by the way, if they're going to sit there, give them some popcorn while they're sitting there. Because in just a little while, while they're sitting on the front row, they're going to watch God feed you. Somebody that's against you is watching you to destroy you. And instead of destroying you, they're going to watch God take care of you. And look at the sincere request and the specific realization. Look at the subsequent result. Guess what happens when they see it? Verse 17. They're ashamed. 
Oh, we want to get that Christian. Oh, and get that Christian. Sometimes the boss, I mean, if, ask to get off to go party somewhere. Oh, sure, you can get off. Ask to get off to go to a church event. Sorry, it's against policy. But then they start watching you. Wow, God just delivered a meal to you in our presence. You know what happens? The Bible says they're ashamed. You know what they say? I better think twice before I mess with that Christian. They may be ashamed. Here's the sure reasoning. For thou hast hope in me and comforted. I don't know if I've ever felt so pulled in the Christian life than right now. There's so much going on. It's, it's hard to be a Christian. Guess what? It's impossible to be a Christian unless God does it. And the struggle is sometimes I know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, it's church time. Come on. We're going to church. And you sit down and the preacher says, open your Bible and you open your Bible. You thought, I brought my Bible, but I left my mind home. I'm in the choir singing the song, but I sure don't feel like it. I hear what the preacher says. I know I should do it, but my will says when I get home, I'm not sure I'm going to do it. And I'm just, God, God, if if I could ever get all of me serving you. David says, I can't figure it out on my own. But the God who put the stars in place, the moon in space, the sun hanging on nothing that it never falls down. That God. Take my mind. Take my emotion. Take my will. Get them all together. And put their sights on one thing. Fear thy name. All oh, the joy of serving our wonderful God with our hearts united to fear him. That, my friend, is the beginning of revival. And every single one of us needs it. Our Father... For all of us as believers who are pulled, trying to be good this and good this and good this. Good. We need you to unite our hearts. For some in the struggle tonight, they just need a token. Just, just, just something to remind them that even though it feels like nothing's going on, you're at work. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. How many you say tonight, preacher, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. Would you raise your hand all over the building? I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I've got Bible reasons to prove it all over the building. God bless you. I wonder how many of you would say you could join David tonight in Psalm 86 and say, sometimes I'm scattered. Sometimes I'm just, it's, it's getting myself focused as a believer is a struggle. But I'd like to join David in the prayer tonight and ask God to unite my heart to fear thy name, to bring revival to my soul. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over the God bless you, my soul. In a moment, I'm going to ask every one of you to respond to the Lord if you can. to Come to the altar on this night, this second night and last night of revival, just, just, to, just to pray that prayer and say, God, you do it. And by the way, remember, it starts with a desperate plea, but it continues with directed praise. Maybe you just have to come up here tonight and say, God, maybe my heart's not in the right place because I haven't done enough praising you lately. A diligent pursuit, I need you to teach me truth. My distressed predicament, I need to remind you, Lord, of what I'm going through. Not because you need to know it, but you need to hear me say it. I mean, God, I need a distinct petition. Show me a token for good. Instead of complaining about everybody that's against me, God, let them see you're for me. Last question. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I am 100% for sure I do not want to go to hell. Anybody like that? Would you 
raise your hand. Let me pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that? God bless you, sir. God bless you. And you know, if you're here tonight, anyone else, if you're here tonight, the pastor or one of the men in the church, if you're a man, one of the ladies in the church would be glad to take just a few minutes, five minutes to show you in the Bible how you can leave this building tonight and know. Hear me now. I'm telling you what the Bible says, not this preacher. Know that you're going to heaven. And by the way, because life is uncertain, you want to know it tonight. So in just a moment, if you'll come, we'll let somebody take a Bible and show you. Don't be embarrassed. This is what this is all. You coming to know Christ and knowing that you're going to heaven is worth my whole three hours driving down here. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.